0: This is a new dimension in sound The sound here has been recorded on the tape magnetically This is us, we're back Oh my god, oh my god, dice, Dave. Dave. Welcome to another episode of A Dave in the Life. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and then every time we upload, it will arrive direct into your device. If you have social media and you care to do so as well, please flick us a follow, Davo or Dave Radio on all the social media platforms, and you should be able to find my ridiculous mug. In this episode, we are chatting to Tommy Vext of Bad Wolves about the brand new record, Nation. You might be more familiar with Bad Wolves from the huge cover version of the Cranberry Zombie, which, as I record this episode, is sitting at a whopping 268 million views. That's just on the 11.7 Music YouTube channel alone. That doesn't take in all of the other uploads, all of the other platforms that this song has been streamed on. It really is an incredible beast of a song. And if that's your first introduction to Bad Wolves, don't make it your last. This new record is incredible, and they have such an amazing resume outside of this group. They are somewhat of a supergroup, formed from the bases and the nucleus of so many other great acts. Bad Wolves, if they're not your new favourite band already, they should be, and they will be. This is a Dave in the life, with Tommy Vex of Bad Wolves.
1: Hey, what's going
0: on boss, how are you? Uh, I'm good, man. It's uh, it's a beautiful day here in Australia. Whereabouts in the world are you? What's going on apart from this interview? Can you paint a picture for us?
1: Yeah, I well, I'm in my car, driving in traffic. I'm in Venice, California, which is part of Los Angeles, but it's like the beach side. This is where I live, um, and I am on my way to Gold, where I pretty much am most of the time, which is uh, the mecca of fitness, uh, where Arnold Schwarzenegger. And many of the pro bodybuilders that created bodybuilding as an industry and shaped it, uh, that's their home base. So I'm just uh, headed over there,
0: mate. Good to hear you looking after yourself. Uh, a lot of people train there. I'd imagine you would be rubbing shoulders with some just insanely famous people at that gym.
1: Uh, there's a couple people, I guess. They love me there. They like they they like the band. So they've been the the actually a lot of gyms play. Zombie and Remember When and Hear Me Now like on the the video playlist for the people who are doing cardio. So I actually like I used to be a member about 10 years ago and then I, I quit and joined a, like a fancy schmancy LA gym and I just don't like fancy schmancy people. So I went back to my roots and uh, it's been cool. I'm uh, You know, I have the same, my buddy hooked me up with this trainer Justin Lotto. He, he actually trained my buddy Josh Brolin who played cable in Deadpool 2, yeah. and he helped Josh get in shape. And so I hired a trainer to get me ready for this fall tour
0: that we're doing with Five Finger Death Punch. That's amazing, mate. Uh, be careful. Don't be caught out watching yourself on the TV screen while you're working out, because that just could be a little bit weird.
1: Yeah, it's, it'd be awkward. It'd be awkward. <laughs> uh, that I'd is... mostly just be judging how I'm, I'm leaner than, now than I was then. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know. Mate, well, you're looking all right. One of the girls in the office said when you're chatting to Tommy, please tell him I want to lick his face. I don't know how that makes you feel, but the ladies definitely love you.
1: The licking of the faces is a, a very like regular thing. and My girlfriend likes to lick my face. I don't actually know why. It's very
0: strange. <laughs> and I saw she that you've been getting, tr- saw you been getting in trouble with your, with your girlfriend for liking other girls' photos on Instagram as well. So we have got to be careful there.
1: Well, apparently the ladies don't like that. And you know my 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 lovely girlfriend is a, is a very Instagram famous personal trainer and fitness model, and so uh, yeah, she's not a fan of the liking of the other girl's pictures. So that's not happening anymore.
0: Be very careful, mate. As a married man, I, I feel your pain. I get in trouble all the time. But look, we, we're here to chat about the record, Nation. It's out October 25. Uh, I love the record, uh, and I, I know that you probably do as well. It's your baby. But why are people going to love this record?
1: Uh, I think that, well, for people who don't who don't know Bad Wolves, this record is, um, it has everything that makes us special. And for the people and the fans who did get on board with Disobey, you know, what we, what we hoped to accomplish was a more focused version of all the things that they love that made us sound the way that we sound. And we're a band that is very, very like, we have, you know, excruciatingly brutal metal songs and we have ballads and we have mid-tempo rock songs um, and we have kind of anthemic songs and we have thrash songs because uh, we're fans of music. And so, you know, it's, so for some people, it's a little confusing at times because there are some fans that are like extreme metal fans uh, and they don't understand why we have singing. And then there are, we have like rock fans or, or people who have been exposed to us from our radio singles and don't ex- they, sometimes they come to our shows and they don't expect songs like learn to live and officer down. And, uh, you know there's a wall of we have a wall of death and we have circle pits and you know people jumping on each other's heads and they're like oh my god so uh yeah we have we we we're continuing in the tradition of of what we what we do so it's like all the things
0: it is um a real representation of the identity of the group this record I feel and with all of you coming from previously fairly successful groups do you agree with that sentiment in a sense that this record really encapsulates the identity of what you've been trying to achieve with Bad Wolves? Yeah, I would say so.
1: I mean, we hope that that's the case. So, you know, if that's if, if that's what, you know, listeners are getting from it, then I feel like we've succeeded in doing that. Um, I think very much, the, you know, your, your first album is always like the search, you know, like you have your entire life to make your first album together as a band, and so for us, we were we we were seeking. John and I were seeking to define what we were. You know, we had you got to come up with a name and a lineup, and then you know, first you write as many songs as you can, and then you you you're like, what's missing? Does this make a record? Do these songs flow into each other? And then when you then it's a whole other element when you go out on tour, and then you kind of define. You know, after you create your first body of work, you go out and you hit the road, and then you define who you are in the relationship of the live show with your audience. And then, you know, a lot of people don't have enough time to make their second record. For us, we never stopped writing, so everything felt really natural and not rushed. Um, Every time we had a break, we were we were in the studio, and there are four writers in the band, so people would go into their own little spaces and come out with, you know, half of a half of a song, a couple of riffs, a completed song. And so by the time we got to, together to throw everything in the pile, we had more than enough to make uh, an accurate representation of how we grew as a band.
0: Tommy Vex is the man. The Record Nation from Bad Wolves is out right now, and uh, we're really excited to have him on the phone finally. We were meant to catch up in Brisbane last year and, and unfortunately had to miss the... The conversation but I want to check back in with uh, that cover of zombie it, it went crazy across the world and really kind of brought a new audience to the band but I believe that Dolores was actually supposed to perform on the song with you before she passed
1: yeah Dolores was actually scheduled to record she flew to London um, to, to record her vocals on on this song and she she tragically passed away the night before she was scheduled to record in her hotel. Um, so obviously we were all very taken aback and, and it was a very, very, like, a very confusing and tragic process, you know? And, um, in a, you know, in an attempt to kind of take that situation and make a positive out of a negative, we, uh, we had reached out to the family and offered to donate the proceeds from the sales of Zombie to her kids. And so that's what we wound up doing. And, you know, it wound up, it, you know, it wound up becoming this real kind of, it, it kind of became a, uh, a memorial and a send-off to Dolores, but also there was something bigger that happened, and I think it has to do greatly, you know, as a testament to the, to the Cranberry songwriting and, and Dolores' message, but also to the rock and roll scene and on a global scale of what we were able to accomplish because people voted you know, to help this family with their dollars and it, it really rang, like it made noise around the entire world, like in, in outside of the rock community, you know, it far exceeding into pop genres and everything else. And so it was a, it was a very humbling, um, and interesting experience.
0: Glad to hear that you guys uh, were able to to turn a, a somewhat tragic experience into a positive outcome for the family and uh, I want to ask you, you you've been through some tough stuff yourself throughout your life. I read that in two thousand and ten you had a near death experience. Would you mind telling us what happened? Uh, I believe you almost had a bit of a religious experience as a result of it as well
1: yeah uh, in two thousand and ten i I was assaulted and um, i was i was killed by uh, a home in- during a home invasion, my, uh, my twin brother was, uh, had broken into my apartment and assaulted me with a crowbar. And I didn't know he had, I, he basically had hit me from behind and then fractured my skull. Uh, I wound up my spleen ruptured during the beating and I bled to death. Uh, and I was revived and, um, I had a whole near death experience. It was, it was pretty intense. Uh, you know, and I'm I'm actually writing a book about it right now. I'm like, currently in the process of uh, of like writing this biography, um, with with uh, one of my buddies who's a very prominent writer in Los Angeles. And so I don't know when that's going to come out, but uh, you know, it, it wound up becoming this thing that I never really talked about in music. And I always, uh, I you know, after getting on the other side of the scenario and the situation, I was. I wound up becoming a public speaker and then I I became a drug and alcohol counselor. And so I wound up using my experience to help people, um, you know, deal with their family, family issues and their alcoholism their addiction, the family disease of alcoholism. And then, you know, when we were making Disobey, I had these lyrics and I started putting this song. It, I didn't really do it intentionally. I was kind of just in a place like in a reminiscence uh, and really sad. It's a very heartbreaking thing. You know, it's a very special bond that, that you know, siblings have, especially twin siblings. Yeah. Um, and how that, sh- how that was shattered and how it affected the, enti- the family in its entirety. Uh, and then, you know, pen to paper and then went in the studio and recorded the song. And I was, you know, the guys were like, this is a really special song. And I was like, you know, do, do people want to hear about this? Like, should I even be talking about this? And uh, it's just had a, a tremendous healing effect for myself, for my family, and for thousands of people. Like, I get, you know, I get messages constantly. Con- like, I probably have gotten 100,000 Messages, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, over the past, you know, 18 months to two years since that song has been out, how it's helped them. And so, you know, that kind of also encourages us to be more transparent on this record where we're, we're talking a lot about very close personal issues to myself and, and members of the band. Um, because it seems to be that when you the more honest and open that you are, uh, the more you give other people, you subconsciously give other people an ability to be honest with themselves and others too. And So I think that's something that is very important
0: in music and that's something that we need more of. Mate, thank you for sharing such a deeply personal story. I went through a very similar experience myself with my brother as a young man and it's something that I'd almost buried in the back of my mind and so you, you, you talked about it just then and maybe. Think about a lot of things, and I'm glad that you have uh, shared that experience with our fans and with your fans as well. Because sometimes shared experiences can can really help people deal with things moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, I'm sorry that that was your experience, and I think it's important that we have conversations as a community, as people. People need people. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot there's a lot of depression and anxiety going on in the world, and there's a lot of you know. Addiction and mental health. We have learned, we're amidst like a mental health crisis on a global scale that's at the height that it's ever been. But it seems like through the Internet and the economy, we have the most connectivity available to us. And, and we're living in a level of abundance. So it, it, you, it would seem like statistically that that would be the opposite case. But I think what's happened is people have become disconnected. A lot of the time I I notice uh, with clients and friends and just people in general, even myself, we become so engaged with with our phones and we become so influenced by what other people are projecting as what their real lives are that are not their actual real life, that we start to look at ourselves as being insufficient, you know, and it's like... It's from everything from following certain celebrities like, you know, the Kardashians or just like whatever Instagram model or, you know, or or just people, you know, influencers who are like, these people are professional posers. That's their job. Their job is to professionally pretend yeah. that their life is better than yours. And that's who we're all comparing ourselves to. And how can you, you know, <laughs> we're just people just got to live, you know, we, we got to live and we need each other. And so I kind of like remind people that like, hey, you know, even when we play shows, I ask everyone to hug the person that they came to the show with. And then I ask them to hug a stranger. You know, anyone who didn't get a hug, I tell them to raise their hand. You know, and it's like, it's important.
0: Incredibly well said, brother. And and thank you so much for getting a little bit deep. Although we were talking about music, I thoroughly appreciate it. Uh, Look, we're going to run out of time uh, real soon, Tommy, but quickly before I let you go. We love to ask people, do you remember the very first record that you got as a music fan? fan? How did you get it? What was it? Do you still own it by any chance?
1: I had records. I I just, like, I I had, like, my dad had Beatles tapes and Aerosmith and, and, uh, like, I don't know, The Cure. But I really, like, my, like, when I started getting records, I think the first record that I got was a soundtrack. It was to the movie The Crow, Oof. and um, and it had like Stone Temple Pilots, Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, Pantera. Uh, the Cure did a song on there, yep. and it was. And I was just like, Oh my god, like I need this. And I went out and I got records from all the all those bands, and like I got like uh, I just can't remember. I got a Stone Temple Pilots record. I think I picked up Core, and I got. Um, I think vulgar display of power, you know, then I got into Corn, you know, So there was so much music going on for me uh, in my, it's hard to pick one band. You know, it's, it's more so like there were two concerts that forever changed my entire life. One of them was 1996. I saw Corn play in New York city at the Roseland Barm on the life is peachy tour. And then uh, January 17th of 1997, I went to see Pantera. And they played with neurosis and clutch, and uh, I was just like, that this is what I am. I was like, this is this is what I am, and I'm not really interested in doing anything else. And I was already in a band as a kid. I've been playing in a band since I was 13 year old, 13 years old with like kids in the neighborhood, and then I, and then it just had a profound effect on me.
0: Mate, I don't blame you. Those are three incredible bands and the type of show we would have always dreamt of having in Australia, but we're just so damn far away. Hey, look, uh, any chance we might see you out here in the country in the next year or so? Is that on the cards? Yeah, well, I
1: mean, I'm going to be... I'm I'm coming to Australia to do, like, an unplugged tour with Danny from Asking Alexandria. So we're going to be out... We're going to be at Woolly Mammoth December 18th in Brisbane, and then we're going to be in Sydney at the Manning Bar on the 20th, and then we're flying to Melbourne, and we have two shows in Melbourne on December 21st and 22nd. One's at the Evelyn Hotel, and the other one is at Max Watts. So if you follow Danny Danny Warsnop or myself on Instagram, we're, like, constantly posting links. I think two of the shows might actually be sold out, and we, I think we might move to a larger venues. I don't know which ones. I'm waiting on the promoter to get back to me on the numbers. But, uh, yeah, we're going to come down. We're going to play a bunch of covers. We're going to play a bunch of originals. We're going to, like, talk to the audience. We're going to, you know, you know, we're going to do meet and greets and stuff. And I love Australia. It's like Australia is probably my favorite country in the world. And um, I, my ex is from Australia. I've spent a lot of time there. So this was basically like the end of the year we are like how can we go on vacation (laughs) to Australia and we'll play a show and then we'll just stay for the holidays so yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna like go on go do a couple shows and then take a little tour of your country and hang out
0: that is absolutely correct, and my bad for totally screwing up my own interview notes. And uh, thank you for being nice about parlaying that information back to our listeners. Uh, Tommy, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, man. I hope this record goes crazy, and I will definitely make sure I come and say good day at the Woolly Mammoth Show and uh, make up for that time I stood you up in Brisbane. Uh, good luck again, man, and thanks for joining the program.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, boss.